0: Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something.
1: Welcome listeners to another episode of Feeling Film. I'm Patch and with me, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Heron.
2: Hello, hello, hello.
1: But as Dom and Brian need their crew to get the job done, so do we. That's why we have brought on your boy, Kobe Mac
3: to help us out with this entry. What's up, Kobe? Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and I'm finally back on the Film Podcast. Yeah! I love his intro. These are just so
2: much fun. <laughs> I know. He has so much energy. It just puts us to shame. I'm like, goodness gracious, <laughs> I can't match this guy.
1: We can blame having 200 plus episodes under our belt, but I just don't think that's even an excuse. We've got to have that kind of energy. And
2: he's three (laughs) hours ahead of me, late at night, and he's still coming with that sort of. (laughs) It's crazy.
3: That's for real. I got to bottle this bad energy up and just like be able to give it out to the world that needs it, you know?
1: There you go. There you go. Come out with some positive honesty here at Feeling Film. Well, if you guys are joining us for the first time, we are in the middle of covering the Fast and Furious franchise, a series that Aaron and I both love. And this week we take on the sixth entry Justin Lin's most recent as a director and a whole new set of problems for the family. Speaking of family, if you haven't been listening to these episodes, you should know by now that that is our concurrent one word takeaway. It's our default. And so, Colby, as our guest, we always like to start with you. Why is family? Your one
3: word takeaway i mean this this franchise just it's weird i feel like i've watched every movie probably three to four times and it's weird how apparent like <laughs> the themes are and they're so strong and they seem like it beats you over the head and it seems like one of those things that should just annoy you but then it turns into something that's just so lovable and just so endearing and so heartwarming that it's really undeniable and as in this sixth installment of the franchise which I'm pretty sure when they mapped it out back in, what, the late 90s, when they put this all together, they had no idea that not only would they be up to six films with a possibility of two and a spinoff to come, but just finding these really unique ways to continually grow the family. We have people who make their entrances and people who make their exits. And the fact that this time around, we have a baby, a baby, ah, man, little Jack O'Connor coming in and just completely, like, he gets the entire entrance to himself. It's it's weird because I recently watched Bad Boys for Life again, and it's like it kind of does that entire opening mm-hmm. <laughs> in this film. And we get a chance for like a really just amazing – that continued bonding that we had between Brian and Dom. I mean just their whole bro journey is pretty magical in my opinion for as aggro this franchise is. I love that they could still be able to have those reserved moments for these two men just to simply connect and see their brotherhood just really just get stronger and stronger. You know, um, what, something that really stuck out to me is this line that comes over um, uh, from Dom because essentially Brian doesn't know if he's going to be able to be a good dad. You know, and we learned inside of Fast Five that, you know, that's something that he really, um, you know, that, that, that was really scary for him. He says, you know, what if I'm not good? He said, well, you don't have a choice <laughs> you know, because if you're not good, I'll kick your ass.
2: Yes, he you know? does. And
3: it's just like it's just that simple. And then you just got that like that classic Paul Walker smile that just knows like, yeah, you know, I know for a fact that Dom's got my back. And this is going to be the scariest thing he ever has to do in his life. But ultimately, he's not doing it alone. I mean, come on. What what better way says family than that, yeah. you know, than that smirk from Vin Diesel? <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Uh, wow. I don't know that I do No, <laughs> I, that's pretty amazing I, you summed it up really well there. I don't want to even try to follow up with that, but I, I will say that I think, you know, to expand a little on what Colby is hitting hinting at is I do love that we get new family and family going out the door, unfortunately, in this one, because those stakes make things matter. In a way that is pretty special, I believe. And even when characters come back later, multiple films down the road or maybe coming back later, or in this, in the case of this movie, somebody is literally actually coming back. The feeling that that could not happen, that might, might not happen is always there. And what I love about this one is for this one, they're putting the family back together. The family is incomplete, and they are, fr- are putting, uh, and you know mending this fractured pieces of what was. And I love it. I think it's awesome, and I think that it is perfectly juxtaposed by the anti-family, which we're going to get into in detail, I'm sure. But I love that we are constantly finding new ways to put this family in a situation where new aspects of it can rise to the top. And characters who you would think after movies, movie after movie after movie and situation after situation, they would get to the point where it would just be like, okay, we're on cruise control, but that's never really the case. And it just keeps getting better and better and better. And those relationships keep getting more and more defined as we go. Um, and I get more and more attached to them. And then more and more devastated because of that.
1: It's a, it's a very honest response to all of these characters because I think that this entry does a really great job of giving us a comfort level that we wanted. We are bringing everybody back together, but we all have history with everybody now. So it's not the old crew meeting the new crew, it's the crew coming together and us coming together with them to walk along this newest journey that they're on. And it all begins with Letty. So let me go ahead and say, at this point, this is where we get spoilerific. So if you haven't seen this movie, you need to go see it. I said go see it. Go rent it, buy it, find it somewhere. And if you're listening to this, obviously you have seen this. So enjoy the conversation from here on out. Letty is back. And... Aaron, you and I, you and I hinted at this. This wasn't something that I was thinking about as we've been going through this is that we didn't necessarily talk about the franchise spoiler free. So we, we hinted the fact that Letty was going to be making a return, but for those who are experiencing this for the first time, this was a huge deal. And of course we got the stinger at the end of the last movie. So we know that it was happening. But now we get this as really a subplot or, yeah, a subplot to the main plot where she's back, but she doesn't have any memory of Dom or the family. And so when you watch this, it's almost like you're creating a miniature origin story of Letty, Because up to then, we've only known her in relationship to Don. And now what I think Justin Lin is doing really well is he's allowing us to experience who Letty is, independent of Dom and the rest of the family, which I think really, really elevates her character. Because it was really fun and really enjoyable to get to know her and be able to find out how she's connected. But this movie, I think, takes her out of the little kid down the street that she was introduced as in the first film and really gives her a character trait that or several character traits actually that allows us to not only enjoy her reconnecting with dom and the rest of the crew but also seeing how she is who she is independent of those individuals of that of that crew and it could come across as contrived or just a cheap excuse to bring her back, but I really don't think it was. I think Justin Lin had a plan,
3: and he executed it really, really well. Kobe, what do you think? Yeah, It's interesting just knowing a lot of what was going on behind the scenes, right? Um, it was a pretty public fallout between Michelle Rodriguez and the production you know, of this franchise, along with Vin Diesel, where she felt like that where the female characters were being steered was not in the best light, and that's the reason was not, you know, a part of Fast Five. And that being the most successful, you know, critically, um, and I believe, you know, at that, you know, up to that point financially, it stung a little bit how easy it was for the franchise to move on without her. But I think I'm really, really happy that they were able to come to a place where they can just kind of like, you know, you know, cooler heads prevailed, were able to, you know, find a way back to each other amicably. And I think it actually worked better for the character because, if you think about what she was asked to do as a character in the first film and inside the fourth film, it really was, you know, dependent upon Dom. And you're right. I think I love the way that you put it. The fact that this was like a very unique, you know, origin story. And I love how organic it was and how it's able to still give color to who Letty was as a character. I think it's the most amount of work that Michelle Rodriguez was being able to do. So she got like a much more chunk to be able to kind of have. And it also like evolved that character. And all the other characters into something else. Like, it's really interesting. I swear they, there's, there's no way in my mind that when they're writing out this action, you know, screenplay, they're like, we're going to go like super in depth because all the beats of this film, just like how in Fast Five, it was a essentially a mix of a car heist movie. This is now evolved into a car heist spy thriller. spy thriller. There's typically no room for what they do with Letty's character. So it felt completely shocked and it didn't feel cheap because it's also the first time that we got somebody back
2: yeah I agree wholeheartedly man and I, and I think that it wasn't contrived at all it, it doesn't feel that way it feels very very natural to me at the beginning of this film it, it's kind of fun Patrick in the last few episodes we've specifically talked about how end of a movie transitions into beginning of a movie with no breaks the end of What did we just watch? Fast five. The end of fast five is Dom and Brian talking about racing again. And when this movie opens up with a race, my immediate thought is, okay, they're going on the race that they were talking about in fast five. And it's not until they arrive at the house and get out and you realize, oh, they're there. The baby's being born. This is not right after the movie. Some time has actually gone by, but I think that that is an intentional kind of, Fun little swerve, if you will, that Justin Lin is giving us. And in that conversation, it's that same one where Colby was referring to it. And it's one more takeaway that Dom is telling Brian about, you know, you don't have a choice about being a dad. Brian says something really, really important, I think. He says, It's weird. We've got everything down to the beer and the barbecue, but it just doesn't feel like home. Guess you don't realize it until someone takes it away. A, that tells you that they got something else that they need to achieve, right? They supposedly have everything that they need. The only thing left would be a way to get home. And the only way that they're ever going to come out of this safety net that they have created for themselves with this money that they stole in Fast Five is to bring back a family member. So I honestly think that this is the it's not just not contrived. It is the only way this franchise could have moved forward and made sense, to be honest with you. They couldn't, there's nothing else that could have pulled them out of that situation that would have made me believe they would truly go for that because they were safe, right? And so I love that because it gives it stakes for them. It makes it matter. And I think that like Colby was saying, well, you guys both said, like the way that Letty is focused on in this movie and we get to through her experience with Shaw start to see who she is on her own and the narrative and the writing directly confronts that question of, are you just doms or are you your own person? There's a great moment with Letty that um, stuck out to me that kind of highlighted this. And it's when Shaw calls his guys to come in and, take out the I don't know I don't know what he was the hacker guy wh- whoever the guy just sell and and uh the Riley harpoon
3: guy. The, the har- yes <laughs> yes the harpoon salesman <laughs> that guy
2: um and Shaw just has him taken out and letty's very upset when she goes back and she's he, he even questions her and he's like are you I wouldn't have pegged you for the type to get sentimental and what I believe we're seeing is that there is a human nature in letty she may not have memories but there is a there's something in her that is the same and that cannot be changed. And we are watching that be actively evident because she is responding to Shaw's coldness and his hurting of other people carelessly that he, especially people that he claims to be part of his family. And she is rejecting that on a subconscious level, which tells you who Letty really is. And so when you watch her get through that, man, and of course, you know, the car, the race, the scene with her and Dom, it, it just, you watch her and you can see her from a totally different perspective through her own eyes. And it's fascinating. And, and I, it's, we talk about it all in Fast Five and the whole series, but like, these are the things that elevate this as an action franchise that make it special. These kind of touches and these kind of details that most action movies would never ever care about. They would care about the tank and the car and the bridge shot. You know, that's everything would be built around. Let's get to these moments and have them. This is more like, okay, we've given you all of this great character stuff. Now we're going to reward you with a little treat of some action. So it's like flipped in my opinion. And I think that the Letty storyline, it works perfectly. And frankly, you know, as a fan, I'm invested. I know Letty. I want Letty back. And I'm right there with them the whole way. You know, I care about every decision they have to make. And when it comes to, are we going to put, you know, are we going to put our lives on the line for this? I know because I've I've watched these characters grow, that there is no question that that is what they would do.
1: Yeah. When I look at the Letty storyline, Aaron, you mentioned it in the fact that both Dom and Brian have something to push them forward. This is the launching of the, the hero's journey, where they have some kind of challenge that they're both faced with, more so for Dom than Brian. Brian, I think, is articulating a sense of freedom and wanting to get back home. So that's his. And then Dom, his is about getting Letty back. And here's the interesting thing. I never felt like this was a romantic getting Letty back, even though that's there. It was really about bringing her back to the group more so than it was Dom and Letty getting back together because it was kind of joked at the end of the movie where she shows up and Dom's former love is, is coming up as well. And I don't know if it's Tej or Roman, but <laughs> what and I'm Roman saying, like, this, like, this is going to be awkward but it's going to be sweet. No, they say, but it's going
2: to be sexy as hell, is what they say. And they're right.
1: But I think they're speaking pretty much like the audience does, because that's what a lot of people are thinking. What's going to happen here? And Justin Lin, I think, intentionally plays it down or intentionally doesn't make it something that's going to be somewhat destructive, because that was never necessarily what he wanted to do. He wanted to bring Letty back, Not specifically so that Dom could have someone special, but to enhance the fact that she is valuable to the team. And I think in some ways, it's redemptive to the franchise, as you mentioned, Colby. Her coming back, him recognizing that the female characters that live in this universe, that work in this crew, are equally as valuable. And to have her come back, I think, feels not only redemptive for her story, for the family, but also for the franchise as a whole because yeah. she does because she feels her her return feels like it makes it whole again.
3: Yeah, I mean it it pretty much solidifies the core not only of this franchise but even what Shaw is picking at in like this really great scene between him and Dom. I mean essentially Dom says to Brian, you don't turn your back on family even when they do. Like and that's a part of the code that Shaw just seems so, you know, really like, you know, irked by when it comes to Dom because He tries to exploit that as a vulnerability. And typically in most franchises, we see it done that way. And it's even attempted to be used in this to kind of foil in the third act. But ultimately, it's not only what drives Dom, it's what empowers him. It's because he knows that he's got that family. Like that's like it doesn't even matter. That's why he's able to just completely, you know, defy logic and do these things that he has no idea what the outcome is. But he's doing it for like a very specific purpose. It's not to be self-centered. It's not to be selfish. It's completely to be selfless to his family.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the fact that on the other side of that family, the Dom family, the, every single person that could potentially have beef with this is drawn in a way, and not drawn in this movie, but is drawn throughout the course of the franchise, again, in a way that is makes their responses feel completely natural. Elena says, if that was my husband... If there was a chance, no matter how small, I'd go. That's Dom's girlfriend, right? Any other movie, they would make that into a drama for the family and the team to have to deal with this interpersonal relationship. Brian and Mia just had a baby. What does Mia say? Mia says we're family we've got a problem we deal with it together and i'll feel better knowing you're out there watching each other's backs you're stronger together you always were now go get letty and bring her home no question about it right it's it's also shown in the other guys even guys like roman and tej who well maybe not tej but roman's case <laughs> you might wonder is he going to be able to flip that switch but we get that great opening montage where, you know, he's on the plane with all, all his intros. ladies, and he's like, immediately, yeah. he's like, turn this thing around. You know? even and thought. I'll get you some vouchers. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and Tej does the same thing, you know, like they all... It is a great montage, too. Yeah. Like, introduction characters like Giselle and Han with their guns out, and oh man, it's beautiful. But like, everybody drops what they're doing. Everybody is doing something. And has something going on, you know, Han and Giselle are talking about settling down. Tej is playing Robin Hood or whatever and like they all just boom instantaneously there's no question about it so um yeah I think it's it's a wonderful plot line and actually Patrick I would call this the main plot line I think that the subplot is the chip or whatever is going on with Shaw (laughs) to be
3: honest with you
1: (laughs) it's the I think it's the more meaningful one for sure and because of the fact that Lynn and company are recognizing that and I think this is what furious six has going for it is that there is a full-on recognition of the importance of family five really kind of set the exclamation point with the conversation that dom had the the salute me familia six is living in that pool of what family's about and that montage reinforces it like tenfold the fact that each person's like yep i'm i'm I'm, I'm coming I'm, i'm there And speaking of which, I wanted to talk a little bit about the rest of the crew. So we've talked a little bit about Dom and Brian and Letty. This sandbox that we get to play in, I think, allows for more great writing, more great lines of dialogue. And I tell you guys, specifically for me, Tej and Roman definitely stand out and they shine in this one. Uh, They don't necessarily steal the show, but there are definitely moments that stand out to me where if I'm thinking about memorable lines, they're either coming out of Tej or Roman's mouth and it's this great brotherly relationship that they both have where Roman's forehead is now becoming a point of humor hilarious focus and Tej is like the big brother that's the genius and he's saying don't touch my stuff and I really think that Justin Lin and, and the writers were saying, look, let's give these guys some more moments. And I love that we have pockets of these moments to let these characters shine. And for me, Tej and Roman were probably the standouts for me, apart from our main cast. But I wanted to find out from you guys, were there any other moments or these these pairings that we saw that stood
3: out to you in this entry? Yeah, it's so interesting. Like I love the fact how you guys really have been exploring... The different pairings and how unique they are with each progressive film, right? And I think seeing now in this third time that we have Tej and Roman, they're really like they're, they are becoming so. And and it's like it's like they are brothers, right? And they start out in this very contentious relationship. And it's almost kind of like a, a one upsmanship. I mean, the fact that in the last film, I mean, think about it. We're talking about a film where criminals get away with pulling off a multi million dollar heist. These guys are all multi millionaires. And yet still can, like, you know, squabble with each other as if, like, they're trying. I mean, the fact that you have Roman trying to figure out, like, hey, can I bump some money to get, <laughs> to get some <laughs> chips out of the vending machine, right? And just all of his little one-liners and zingers is so great. And I'll say this. As a black man, it's amazing to be able to see inside this genre, seeing these two African-American, you know, co-stars being able to take the stage front and center when they need to, to be that perfect balance of the comedic relief. You know, oh, oil oh, your baby oil? <laughs> like, it's just, as quick that you have, you know, of uh, the rock. Yeah, we uh, working for the Samoan Hulk. <laughs> it is so good. I mean, it is. It's really, really great because, you know, inside of this genre, you don't have too much. I mean, you got, like, what, Ding Rain inside of the Mission Impossible franchise. And, like, that's pretty much it. I'm trying to think. I guess there's – I don't know who it would be in the James Bond (laughs) franchise, you know? So it's nice being able to have these positive, you know, representation. And, like, what's great as well is that it's not so much, like, played up for, like, a joke. The fact that they're just the two black guys. Like, they just so happen to be black. Love it.
2: Yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think that you're dead on the money when you say that they sort of steal the show in a sense, not that they're down, you know, overwhelming the whole screenplay, but when it comes to the pairings, they, their relationship growth stands out big time. And I've said it before on other episodes, and I will say it again since Colby's here for the first time, but like, this is the reason why I have always been on the Tyrese side of the potential beef that has Mm. happened like when he says I I am an important part of this franchise and you can't cut me out and I am an equal member of this and I am necessary I believe he is like all these people out there that want to be like oh the rock and Dom or whatever like that's all that matters or it's the rocks franchise no it's not it's not the rock is wonderful and is a, a fantastic supporting piece to this whole puzzle but Roman is critical for me Mm-hmm. I need him there. Uh, and I think that Tyrese is just fantastic in this role. And so, yeah, him and Tej together just continue to make, you know, awesome, awesome jokes and and have their moments, right? They, they always have a moment where they do something heroic mm-hmm. or something interesting. And I love that. Um But, of course, Han and Giselle, for me, is really oh, big in this one as well. I mean, we know how it's going to go down. I had not remembered until this viewing just how many hints are dropped throughout the film. Oh, it's foreshadowed heavily. (laughs) It is so much like it is in that opening montage scene. They're talking about settling down later on throughout this whole ordeal. There's a moment where they mention, you know, what are are we going to do next? You know, like, Oh, and and one thing I really loved is she says, let's go to Tokyo and stay there. And they're they're talking about starting a family. Like she says, I want to go do this thing because it's important to you, and it it knocks knocks the relationship up a notch for me, all the way up until, of course, the terrible end. And it the way, it hurts so much, but like the way that it happens with her protecting him, yeah, because it's not just Giselle dies by accident. Right? Just self-sacrifices herself. Be the conscious decision. And, and it again foreshadowed, like you said, Colby, in that relationship, oh, driving up the runway. Right? Tan looks over at her and so calmly, with no real worry, because he has every confidence that they're going to come out of this thing just fine, says, you be careful. And she says, this is who we are. And of course, it happens, right? And the way it happens with him catching her and saying, I got you, and her letting go of him to shoot this guy behind him, it's its awful. Like, it's so sad, but it is, again, the thing that makes this series special. The character, at least special for me in the Justin Lin entries because what I have come to, to really, I see this distinct difference in the way that the characters act perfectly along the lines of how they've progressed under his like leadership. But this is what Giselle would do. It would actually not feel correct if Giselle hung on to him dangling there like a person in distress. That's not who just sell is just sells frickin' massage, just sells the badass. Han's mm-hmm. cool and he has his moments, but for her to want to protect him is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it's kind of, it kind of goes to the thing you were talking about a little bit there, Colby, with just representation and diversity. It's similar with women, like how these arcs are starting to shift, right? You have the woman who is sacrificing herself to protect the man. Yeah. And it, and it intentionally subverts that theme by having Han, quote unquote, save her only to need her to do that and sacrifice her life in order to let him live. It, it's beautiful. Um, and yeah. their relationship throughout is wonderful. And then, of course, I think the other big one that we can't ignore is Dom and Hobbs as we are starting to grow now. Because this is the first time they really are spending a lot of time together. And it's awesome. I mean, I'm sorry, but The Rock, these these first two movies with him, and, and I think it does start to go a little off the rails with him as we progress in time. He, you know, the beef and him getting more screen time starts to show. But man, these entries when Hobbs, Hobbs. comes on the screen every movie, that line is probably among my favorite lines in the whole series. When he says, "Woman, you don't just pick up Owen Shaw like he's groceries." I'm, li- I'm just—I die. I literally burst out <laughs> laughing every time he does, and and he says the same thing he says in Fast Five too. He says, "You want to catch wolves, you need wolves," and he yes. says his little tagline, "Let's go hunting." Right?
3: It's so good. Oh,
2: it's so good. But just the way that these two guys, all the way, especially leading up to the other powerful moment, was at the very end at the barbecue right before everything is done, and Hobbs comes up to Dom. And he's telling him, you know, you got your pardons or whatever. And Dom says something like, I never thought I'd trust a cop. And, and the way it's played, Hobbs steps up on the stairs next to him, to the left of him. Yep. Intentionally not looking eye to eye. These guys are like cheek yes, to cheek, yeah. dead stares away, like straight ahead, not looking at each other. And he was like, I never thought I'd, you know, trust a criminal. You know, but here we are, you know, essentially, and it's, it's the equivalent of a hug or Mm -hmm. a handshake. It's an acknowledgement between two alpha of alpha of alpha males. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of beautiful because it's not, again, it's not fake. It is exactly how these two dudes would go, would go about this. Like neither one of them, they're not going to look each other in the eye and get all soft. Come on. (laughs) Not in front of all these people. Are you kidding me? This was, it was so accurate. It was like, I'm not willing to stare you down, like, and look at you and let you see my face, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know on, on a way that you and I understand because we are, we get each other that I do have respect for you. And they, it's just, I love the way that that kind of leaves those two characters relationship. It's, it's
3: so interesting how much this film was walking a tightrope with how successful Fast Five was and bringing in a super duper mega star in the rock and how much an interjection of that type of like you know movie stardom can really affect the balance between how a film's equity is in their characters cuz ultimately like if i'm looking at this film this very much is a Dom film and then secondarily it's not brian i think it is it is hobbs in a sense and hobbs transforming like he's no longer fire, brimstone, old you know, you know, the, the old Testament, he's a bit softer. And sometimes it may be hard to think like, man, how much time has passed that he may have kind of, cause the, the best line that I love about him at the end of fast five, he said, I am made that way. And it spoke so much to like, the only reason why he's letting you off the hook and giving you a one day head start is because he was betrayed by the guy that essentially was coming to kind of defend from you. You know, he was backstabbed. And lost his entire team, eviscerated, you know, in those favelas, right? And he made that decision. And ultimately, it's like he always knew where Dom was, but then also knew that, like, just because of the law, ah, there's no extradition. I didn't know there's no extradition in Spain, and <laughs> I'm glad I know that in the back of my pocket. But it's interesting how much Hobbs is growing. And he's becoming a little bit more of The Rock, you know, in a sense. But I think that's what movie stars do. They kind of, they, you know, become themselves. And that's exactly what Dom did, right? Dom, Dom is pretty much Vin Diesel. It's hard to really tell the difference between the two now. You know, when you watch any other movie, it's like, it's a different shade of Dom mm-hmm. <laughs> and Vin Diesel. That was really cool. Well, and that's okay, because
1: we've talked on the, I don't know if it's been on the show, but I know we Aaron, you and I have had these conversations about actors like Nicolas Cage who? Yeah, we were talking about with the Rock, that not the guy, but the movie, where <laughs> these these actors are chosen because of the types of character, these character types that they are they cater to, their strengths are catered to. Uh, Keanu Reeves is the same way, where you know what you're getting with these characters or with these actors. And in the past, I would have thought, well, that's just you know that's very flat, you know they don't know how, they don't have acting chops. No. They know how to bring an audience to their feet with laughter or with wows and whatnot. That's why you see The Rock, in quotes, coming out in Hobbs' character because that's what they signed him up for. He was The Rock before he was Dwayne Johnson. That's why he became an action star because of the charisma that he showed and shows still on WWE. That's what made him a superstar was his mouth. And his charisma, his arrogance, everything about that. And when you put a badge in front of that and you attach that to a franchise like this, it creates success. And I think to an extent, as, as much as, you know, Aaron and I didn't care as much for Hobbs and Shaw, that's what they're banking on. They're banking on The Rock being The Rock opposite this other guy. And that's good writing is when you put two opposites together it creates some really fantastic chemistry because you have all this conflict that could be played out for laughs. But one of the moments that stood out for me, not really with Hobbs specifically, but it's that last scene where he's walking up and there's that familiar table that's been set. You know, they're grilling, the last time we saw this table in this carport was Fast and Furious, the Fast and Furious. And they were sitting down to break bread, have some chicken, and these pockets of the importance of family start showing up, where you see Han drinking his Corona, because that's what everybody does, drinks their Corona, and he's, they're asking him, Tej and Roman are asking, "Is this, are you sure that's what you're going to do? He goes, yeah. And the next thing they say is, you know we got your back. And Not to peek forward into the timeline, but of course, there's a a Han Solo movie that's coming (laughs) next, (laughs) independent of the crew. But it's really great to know that the way that Tokyo Drift ties into the next entry is connected to that family thing. It's a revenge story. It's a it's a redemption. It's all these things kind of wrapped up, and then you've got that one line near the very end before Roman does his amazing prayer, where Dom asks Letty, does any of this feel familiar? And she goes, no, but it feels like home. And I said, I think I said this in the last entry, that I love that the house is a supporting character. I love that it's the place where this all started, and it's the place that eventually finds its end at some point. And it's kind of terrible. It's kind of disheartening because we've grown to care about this place because this is the place where everybody feels familiar. That line near the very end where Dom says, "You know, what's your, what's your no? Give me your number." Hobbs asking, "What's your what's your price or what's your number?" He goes like sixteen forty seven, and then of course the uh, next th- shot thirteen twenty seven. Yeah, thirteen twenty seven. And the you know two shots later, you see the the address flat you know float by the screen. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. And I, I just think that. It's a great little epilogue to Justin Lin saying, this is why I make these movies. These are the, these are the central reasons why. And Aaron, you said it really well that the action is really just kind of the reward for letting us enjoy these quieter moments. This is why the, the rock as a movie doesn't appeal to me as much because it's just go, go, go. And I like having those quieter moments. And actually what it does is it makes these action set pieces feel a little bit longer to me because of the fact that I've gotten so kind of spoiled by the smaller, quieter moments with the characters. Well, before we get into those action set pieces, because I know we're going to talk about them, I want to talk about our new villain, Owen Shaw, and who seems to up the ante as far as capability, resources, and intelligence um roman even makes this great comment by saying look this is like the bad version of us and he goes through the (laughs) the whole profile like look dom that's you he doesn't look as good as it's it's just a great uh, it's, it's a great roman moment to see all this stuff but he's calling attention to the fact that it's now crew versus crew like i think in the past we've had teams of people that have been working with our villain but never have we had a semi personal connection with some of these other characters on the other side, giving them a little bit more screen time? And I thought that was really interesting that we almost looked for a one to one fight. Like I was almost kind of hoping for some street fights between <laughs> the good and bad version of the family. I know we probably weren't going to get that because, you know, it had to have some cars. But I love the fact that Owen himself is really smart that there's a I think there's a line by Braga that says Owen Shaw only lets you get close to him if he wants you to and that kind of comes back around to become a big like significant point in the movie but I like that this character is elevated he's not a drug lord at this point that he's actually got some character development behind him and i I wanted to know from you guys did you like him, how does he kind of hold up in this movie compared to the rest in the franchise? Is he on par with, with Braga and the ones that have come before him? I
3: would actually say that he's my favorite. Okay. And it's interesting because I couldn't tell you who the main villain was from the first one. I kind of remember the second one, but there's so many of like those early 2000s films where I feel like they blend together. Like I, I I'm probably confusing the villain in the second one with the villain from All About the Benjamins. And I'm pretty sure they're completely really different, and it's only because Ava Mendez is in both of them. Um, and like, can't, remember, can't I kind of remember Tokyo Drift? But we're not gonna talk about that. And then there's Braga, like in the, in this franchise that really sticks out, and the fact that he is connected back in this film as a really big surprise. And you know, this film is really pulling together all the elements of what a classic spy thriller is. It's got the big opening. It's got you know. um, you know, offers the illusion of reality, delivers on the action, of course, the major little twists and turns and reveals. But ultimately, in order to really sell it, it's got to have a unique protagonists, which we have with Dom and Hobbs and Brian, and then this antagonist. And Shaw is more than capable. And just like we've seen in comic books and superhero shows and stuff like that, you have Superman and then there's Bizarro. You know, you have Spider-Man and then there's Venom. They have these interesting counterparts and reflections of themselves where Seeing these different dossiers, like, you know, the fact that Hobbs delivers and say, here's this team. And at the beginning of the film, you're almost led to believe like you were kind of being like fooled because you would think that, oh, Hobbs thinks that this is, this is Dominus team. Like, no, 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 no. It's someone else. And the only way that we can be able to get to these guys is with the only team I know that can be able to do it. The guys that outwitted me in Brazil. And it would have been great to have that, though, like the one-on-one matchup, but we do kind of be able to get that. Seeing Letty go up against Riley, you know, in this instance, played by, you know, um, oh, goodness gracious, uh, uh Gina Carano. Um, God bless
2: her. She definitely does try. <laughs> I was going to say, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you weren't going to like,
3: oh, I definitely get too positive it. there. No, 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 no. She, I mean, she is definitely the most wooden. <laughs> I feel she tries though. She really, Deadpool saved her. I will say that it completely leaned into what she does best, best, not smiling, <laughs> being completely stoic. But like the fact that Shaw is so tethered into everything. I mean, Braga says this guy has his hands in every level of government and you really don't know. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out how he had, like attained this much power. I mean, if, I guess if you look at it like Mission Impossible, it's kind of like what the syndicate represents, right? You know, Ethan Hunt's the only one that thinks that this shadow government is like really under, you know, out there. And here is Shaw exactly that. And I don't really it's kind of like I I don't know what his end goal (laughs) is. Is it just to get rich? Because, I mean, you know, these guys just stole some money from Brazil and they're like, you know, multimillionaires. There's a lot of different ways to get rich, but he wants to get like super rich. I don't know, but I really like him the most because without him, we don't get Decker. And also without him, we don't get. Damn, what is Charlie Theron's name?
0: Cypher. Cypher. Cipher. <laughs> you know, I was going to call her Virus. virus. <laughs> I knew was something like Wow. <laughs> <laughs> something kind of <laughs> not
3: just good. And I don't even want to get into the hokey villain inside of Hobbs and Shaw. But yeah.
1: <laughs> we have an episode
2: for that. We don't know what <laughs> it is, though. <laughs> well, I love Braga. So, Colby, since I don't know if you've listened to our episode on Fast and Furious 4, but mm-hmm. you did? Are you nodding, you did? Okay, yeah, so I adore Braga. He is just amazing, and I think there's something very special about him as a villain. So for him to come back is always a treat for me, and I still remember the first time when finding out that Brian is going to go into prison to to get into solitary to where Braga is, going, this is a terrible idea, knowing full well it's going to go absolutely south, but loving Braga and being excited that not only is letty coming back that he's coming back and i think there is something that is really again like perfectly written when you are allowing yourself to tie these things together it's not it's not there's not a plot hole so to speak and i hate that term but so many people will point out like oh this thing is a plot hole because a piece of information is not given there's a lot of ways in which we could have had that happen for Letty coming back. But instead, tying these two things together and simultaneously allowing the discovery of that information via Brian going back to give you a fun little interaction with Snozniak again, where he gets a broken nose second time and, like, you get that, you know, laughing moment, but you also get that redemption moment for Brian. You know, a couple times throughout the film, both Letty and Dom... Tell Brian, basically, what you find out from Braga, what you know about my past and what you know about what happened is for you. For you to allow yourself to be at peace with the mistake that he made or the choice that he made by putting her undercover. Even Letty tells me, and she's like, "The I don't know everything about myself. She's like, but the one thing I do know is that no one makes me do anything. Like, I, I made my choice. And all of this plot line, right? With Braga, it all helps to give Brian that redemption that he needs to allow himself to have because he's holding that in and feeling responsible for Letty. So I love Braga's brief cameo coming back. I think if it had been more, it would have been too much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need Braga being an active henchman, right? Yeah. This was perfect, perfect for me. Cause you um, wouldn't I-
3: want to diminish the terror that he like inflicted in four, right? Absolutely. Even though he, I guess, in a sense is subservient to Shaw, I think Shaw is very respectful of like that partnership. Like he like, he is a major asset of being like this massive drug cartel and like he's a pawn, but like not in the sense of like, I cower to Shaw. Like, you know, I think, I think they understand where they are in relation to one another. And I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah. There's, there's an authority that is recognized, but a respect that's mutually given. And I think that that's, that's very much important to know because, Otherwise, you just dismiss anyone that's under Shaw as a lackey when Braga is not that at all.
2: No, he's not. And, and we get a fun way. I love the fun way in which Fast and Furious gives us serious kind of reveals, because when Braga is talking to Brian and he gives him that information and Brian says, you're lucky this door is between us. Right. A classic action movie line. And you just know it's going to happen. And that door opens and Brian's face is like, it's six. <laughs> oh, crap. Like, what am I going to do? Right. And of course, the way that he eventually gets to Braga and Braga is still a threat to me because on the ground bleeding, Braga's like, you won't do it. You're not going to kill me. You may hurt me. And he does. And he gets a little more out of him. But like, he knows, like, you are not the man who's going to kill me. Um, and I just love that. But anyway, so going to Shaw, I'm with Colby after this most recent viewing. I have to tell you, I think that Owen Shaw is my favorite villain in the series. He is fascinating and it's that whole anti team concept, the opposite of them. Um, the, like you said, Patrick, I was going to make that point. I'm glad you, of course you did that this is the first time they're going up against another family, another crew another organized team and to me it's all about the way in which shaw treats his team versus the way in which the family operates together it's all about mutual respect versus not shaw has a great explanation of this that really shows his intelligence too where he is telling his team after that first interaction he's like do not treat these people as common criminals like you have to respect them or it will weaken us. And you cannot underestimate what they're all about. And so he gets that, but he's not able to, I guess, inspire his team in the same way. But yeah, it's it's a really fun way in which his team starts to like have things at the end with Carano and Letty going up against each other. Um, Carano gets like, finally gets her moment. There's this awesome kick. She does. There's the one kick is what really stands out to me. It's like, that's the MMA kick that I've been waiting on. Right. And, um, and then the big mountain guy has to go up against Dom and Dom is like, not as big as him, which is crazy, but like the way that Dom saves him, you know, and Brian's going up against Shaw, and it's just like all of those little pairings are kind of fighting it out in that moment. Um, but I yeah, I think that Shaw is fantastic. And he's also terrifying. He has no regard for anyone else. There's a great moment during the action scene with the tank where he is literally just eviscerating cars of civilians and smirking like too, like he's like relishing it. He is. He's having fun with it. And then conversely, Dom actually has a line of dialogue that specifically is like. We gotta get those people out of here. Yeah. Like, which is, like, which actually caught me off guard a bit. It, I was like, it
3: almost felt out of place. It's, it, it, <laughs> it, it was like, he's like, direct them away from the people. Yes. Like, that seems like a, sh- like a Hobbes line, but like, I also understood, like, I felt like they, they knew that with, where they are taking Dom, they needed him to be able to say that. Like, yes. direct, like, direct them away from the people. And I think that's like, that's what makes them different. Dom has never been about murder. Yeah, they were criminals, but they weren't. Murderers. And even Letty, that's why she was so fundamentally different on Shaw's team is that she is not a murderer. You know, Absolutely. she's very capable, but that is not what she's about. And those examples and the difference of philosophy between Shaw and Dom is so paramount, right? Shaw looks as his team like, you know, like 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 machinery. And he, he says they're pieces to, to be... pieces to be replaced. Where Dom looks as his family like organs. They're vital. They can't be replaced. Right. You know, I, I, I that parallel is so cool. And you wouldn't think, like, you'd have it. Like, it was a great to kind of have that, the balance between the protagonists, I guess you can call The Rock the antagonist in five, but it changed up. And then now it's different because like they weren't going head to head. I mean, it was great to kind of have that little action sequence between Shaw and between Dom, but you kind of knew that if it was ever to go completely head to head, we knew who would have the upper hand. And that's why I think that Deckard is a really interesting, you know, kind of, you know, foil yeah. to that, and just his complete revenge that he's going to be on in this next film, um, and that we get a little taste of it, you know, at the end of this one. So yeah, you know, Shaw is really is fascinating, and, and also, I mean, we did talk about it with Giselle. Can we count Giselle and Shaw as off-screen deaths?
2: Okay, so I actually texted Patrick and I said, <laughs> "Do you realize that we don't actually see a death?" Yeah, it's crazy. Um, it is. I, she, she falls. We are led to believe that she is falling from a height that is, you know, the, 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 logic tells the, 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 you the family would go find her body. Yes. But we don't see it. We don't yeah. see any of that. We cut with everybody consoling Han mm-hmm. and him believing that she's dead. But you would think if from a logical perspective, she falls way back on that runway. I mean,
3: it's the longest airstrip in the history of movies okay? oh yeah we
2: we got that down in the later, but,
3: yeah <laughs> but yeah she just she falls into the darkness yeah and like after this rewatch i'm like okay and, and unfortunately i feel like hobbs and shaw has now made me question the sci-fi ness <laughs> this franchise is going because i'm like okay not only can anybody come back but there's actually you know there's tech
2: that we the, can
3: the, <laughs> And the people i think everybody's just gonna be like a cyborg at one point
2: when i saw the plane come down this time i immediately was like i bet you that's like cypher's plane because it looks so much like the one that Cypher has in yeah. in F8. Um, real quick, before we move on to the next one, Patrick, though, I wanted to mention, like, Gina Carano, while she is wooden and isn't the best actress, the part doesn't necessarily require it, which is good. And I think that they understood that. She's good in the fight scenes, but she's part of one of the best lines in this entire movie to me, which is where Shaw shows them his incredible smarts right not not only has he shown them that earlier i think with those freaking cars man those cars that the ramping one dude that is just one of the sickest designs in this entire franchise yes the way that they use those is freaking crazy but for the smarts to be revealed of like oh all of this these pieces like he manipulated all of this stuff and when he says are you coming babe And everybody is expecting it to be Letty. And then Riley pipes up and walks with him. It's like, it it is beautiful. And he just looks back and he says, like I said, you were never in the game.
3: Do you remember that moment in the theater? I do.
2: I remember being like, I remember like, and, and Letty pays it off perfectly at the end when she, when she kills her, because all she says, she says, Wrong team, bitch, <laughs> which is perfect because she's been on that team, yeah. right? And so they have swapped teams. And now Letty is saying, either way, you were on the wrong team. You know, you were in the wrong place. So yeah, it is, it was, a, it's an awesome reveal. And it not only is awesome because it's a hype moment for us as an audience, but because it does pay off the idea that Shaw is this brilliant guy. And it makes it. And if you rewatch this movie when you're paying attention to it, you actually really can see the moments in which Riley is clearly taking note of information and probably responsible for shifting that to Shaw at some point. And the way that she shoots, I actually paid attention to her shooting too because I was like, there's a bunch of times where there's gunfights and I'm like, was she really trying to kill her teammates? She's clanging rounds off of pillars <laughs> and, it, and you don't think of anything in the moment. You think, oh, she just missed. No, she didn't miss, man. She's not shooting them on purpose and I just I love being able to like watch it back with that perspective.
1: Well as uh, has been alluded to this entry does start to shift us into the come on man action with uh, tanks on freeways and runways that don't seem to end. I believe Aaron you did the math and how long is this runway based on the duration of
2: when it hits the runway and when it ends so we start the scene at one hour and 42 minutes roughly flat the plane explodes and comes to a screeching halt and the cars stop at about 155 30 so it's 13 and a half ish full minutes of runtime <laughs> one thing that i found very interesting patrick and i told you this in the text was when the plane explodes and all the cars come to like their their stopping point they do so at the very end of the runway, as if there could be no further spot for this plane to get. Like they, they just magically happened. It, it took it down right at the very end of the runway. But yes, if you do the math based on the thirteen and a half ish minutes of of driving, et cetera, and kind of like estimating, I don't know, an eighty ish mile per hour or to a, you know, they were going pretty fast, right? Maybe a hundred. The plane's moving. It's about eighteen point three seven miles. So. Yeah, that's like <laughs> longer than it takes to get through the entirety of Seattle on the interstate and I I mean like the it is it is one of the most like everything else I fe- I've been praising this movie intentionally about how like all of the other aspects even like tanks on freeways everything could be like logically explained for the most part not this.
3: <laughs> I, I find it amazing how when you really pay attention to that freeway scene like Oh, they are using the same quarter mile chunk of freeway just over. It's that same blue railed overpass over and over and over again. I'm just like, I don't know any stretch of land. And I think at this point, they're in Spain. And I've been to Spain. It's very, it's very hilly and they don't have that much repeat. Like, nah, that's not how it works. Um, it's always interesting, but like, I think that's the one thing that. This film balances. And once again, I go back to the spy thriller rules. You have to be able to offer the illusion of reality because the evolution of the fast franchise, it's really fascinating in that the film embraces the zaniness while keeping a sense of finding the right balance and not taking itself too seriously, but also being able to plant its tongue firmly in its cheek, like with the never ending runways and the crazy usage of the repeat highways. And then ultimately just the fact that these men's physical strengths are Askewed a little bit it doesn't seem to really you know the fact that in the beginning of this film we have Hobbs take out a guy who from behind looks like Dom like to kind of you know to kind of fool us and essentially he hulks out and can just I mean this guy's got to be like you know almost 300 pounds and granted The Rock is a big dude but I mean he tosses him around like a ragdoll and you just see this completely destroyed interrogation room. It's like, is that legal? I mean, you got to ask him. I don't know.
2: <laughs> you you going to go in there and stop him? <laughs>
3: what jurisdiction does this American agency have to go into Moscow?
2: Bro, I don't know, man. <laughs> I,
3: I was really trying to ask myself, like, <laughs> okay, they're the DSS, but like, why is he after Shaw? Like, it, <laughs> I don't know.
2: <laughs> Fair it, question.
3: It is, but like, but you know, the world, it, 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 it's it it's got that balancing act, and I think with the more films to come, it definitely goes into like, wait, what now? <laughs> but I think this still kept a lot of it a little bit in the more mild, I'll say.
1: Well, I would say yes, absolutely. When you look at everything that's come before it, the tone and the forgiving way in which we suspend our disbelief for this franchise, I think allows... For that kind of leeway, we want crazy shootouts, we want crazy car chases, and if you start picking out those things, saying there's no way that a plane could be on a runway that long, you're absolutely right. But everything that you guys have mentioned that had some kind of emotional resonance, Giselle's death, uh, the big fight sequences, the 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 one one to one Family fight, anti-family fight. None of that could have been accomplished over those, what, 12 to 13 minutes without having something like this take place. Yes, there's always a way where you're like, look, we need something that's going to be able to occupy this. But what the franchise is known for is car chases and sequences like that. And the fact is, Aaron, I get that we can logically explain a tank on a freeway, but even just saying it's a tank on a freeway. I mean, unless we're in Bosnia or in the middle of a war somewhere, I don't see tanks on the freeway in downtown Little Rock. This just doesn't happen.
3: Definitely You're not booking t- it that fast. Like, how fast was that tank going?
2: That tank was... It was going.
3: Like I mean, 50 miles an hour at least?
2: <laughs> I'm sure he tricked it out, guys. Come on. The guy has, like, cars with ramps on it. It's <laughs>
3: true. Like, so this but, is my thing. So um, explain... I, I kind of got a little lost in this third act. I will say this third act is not the absolute strongest in regards to – I mean the the not-so-should-be-the-plot. The MacGuffin of the film, they they barely even mention it, the nightshade device, right? Like <laughs> whatever this device is going to do to completely like black out a country, right? So they, they, they hijacked the convoy, and they put a tank in there? Was there always a tank in there to begin with?
2: There was always a tank in there to begin with. It's in that truck. They use – that cable to mm. knock the tank out which looked really really cool which is awesome looking <laughs> it, by it the, really way, the way the way <laughs> freaking freaking cool as heck
3: i mean it, but, it reminded me a lot i just i just watched goldeneye not too long ago and i'm like just seeing pierce Brosnan go through you know that that russian town and just completely start demolishing all of these different trucks and stuff it was like so cool because i you don't see a tank really like use it especially like on a highway and then actively shooting everything it reminds me like I'm trying to think when I was playing, yeah, Grand Theft Auto. Like, you know, like, And I could be able to do the secret code to be able to get the tank. And I'm just like going through the oh, towns yes. and stuff like that. And just hearing Tej and Roman they've got a tank! Yeah. <laughs> There's a tank <laughs> on my ass! <laughs> Roman so, it's
1: great. It's so, Kobe, cool, you, you're bringing up something really important, that these outlandish set pieces serve as just that. They're in service to lines of dialogue in service to really great wow moments. I mean, Aaron, you've got, (laughs) in your background this week, you've got a clip from the movie where Roman is jumping from a tank onto an Italian roadster. I can't remember what the car's
2: called. This is the third jump in the film. We have Dom jumping down an entire freeway level onto Letty's car to try and get to her at the beginning of the film. We have Roman making this jump right here onto Brian's car. And I love his excitement when he gets inside and realizes he's actually successfully, they've done it. And then we have the amazing Dom jump across the freeway to catch Letty, which I think is the Superman catch freaking sick as heck. Wow.
1: So all of those things in a movie like this, we forgive the realism for the sake of the entertainment. And to me, that's what makes it okay. That's what makes it okay for me to go, I don't care that this runway is 18 miles long. I got to see this moment and that moment. And I got to experience the wow moment of that or the sad moment where this happened. And to try to explain it away or to try to make it logical, I think diminishes the entertainment value. Yeah, the, the movie magic of that. That's why I think the subsequent franchise entry, while probably not my favorite, are still wildly successful. And why you almost don't joke, but you kind of do by saying, Oh, the next movie must be taking place in space because they can't go anywhere else. Has it taken on that tone? Sure, it has. But again, as long as you're capturing the thing that I think is the most important, I'm okay with spending two hours balancing that act and having somebody like Justin Lin in the director's chair because I feel like he is preaching the same sermon that we are. I mean, I think we should just get him on the show and be like, you're you're doing this, right? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'd come on. He's fine with that, but
2: that would be amazing.
1: (laughs) So I had no problems with it. I think for me, the length of the action was a little bit too much for me. And that may just be that I'm becoming a crotchety old man. And I want more drama than action in my life, but I still find it incredibly fascinating how it's cut together, how it's edited, how you bring all these things. I mean, (laughs) I didn't even notice what you did, Kobe, that, they're using the same strip of road over and over again. How would they do? I mean, I guess they're doing that with the, with the, with the uh, runway. I guess you get with the runway. They're just saying, all right, let's go back. Cause we don't have 18 miles. Reset. <laughs> Reset. Let's do it again. <laughs> but there's a lot that goes into it and it's big action and it's, it's comprehensive action. It's action that, you can actually take in It's not confusing. It doesn't feel like, wait, what just happened? That's what I think is what makes an action movie director successful or at least successful for me is when it feels comprehensible. When I can actually go, oh, we're cutting here. Okay, I see this is happening. I have a chance to digest that moment. Okay, cool. If you're cutting back and forth, left and right, boom, 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 boom. And I have no chance to really take something in. That's not good action. That's just a mess. And I don't know if that's Justin Lin's style. Feel like it is, but I think he really shines in this franchise, and I'm excited to see his or to cover his first entry into this here in a couple of weeks, where we talk more about kind of seeing how his la- latest entry and kind of doing an probably an un- unintentional comparison
3: to his first entry with uh, <laughs> with Tokyo Drift. So that's gonna be interesting, like just to have that shifting conversation, how you've started like from the ladder. To yeah. now just beginning. Like, that's that's gonna be wild. I can't wait to listen. Yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting. Um but I'm actually
1: looking forward to I mean Tokyo Drift is a uh, has become
2: We don't little... hate it, is basically what he's getting at.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't it's, it's no too fast, too furious, let me just say that. <laughs> In a
2: better way. <laughs> They're all just varying levels of of good or greatness to me. I mean I I love the entire series. It's funny when people I, I find it interesting when people can with a straight face, say they hate entries in this, but love others. And I'm just like, you're not, that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. <laughs> it just I doesn't. Think a lot
3: of people will hold on to just that initial feeling they have when they first watch it. I mean, I was a teenager. Like, like, one, I never, like, one, I'd never give a movie like a hate. Like, it, it takes a lot for me to hate a film. Um, it mean, there may not be some films as good as others, but I think like, I don't think there's a bad movie in the franchise. And I was quite high. On Hobbs and Shaw, rated an eight out of ten, you know. Um, and I probably was just like wearing my Hobbs colored, you know, glasses and just like, yeah, <laughs> give me all the big action, Black Superman, let's go, you know. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's gonna be really interesting. And also, like, my mind started like playing around with like the, the logic at the time. Like, okay, that was in two thousand and like what three, two thousand four. Like, so does that mean that Fast and Furious Seven takes place right after that? Are we actually like ten years in the past? And instead of like. And I had to stop because I was going down a rabbit hole. So
2: yeah, that's that is not a good. Don't don't go that far. <laughs>
3: <laughs> self contained, self contained.
1: Yeah, that's why it says Fast and Furious presents. Like <laughs> I think that's his way of saying don't try to don't try to squeeze this into the, main stage, uh, the main stage.
2: Well, the last thing on that action, I will say, and I said this last week when we talked about Fast Five, but I'll say it again: is that the reason that we enjoy these entries from Justin Lin is why I'm not worried about fast and furious nine and 10. So when I see a trailer with a car attached to a rope bridge (laughs) flying across a gap from one mountain to another, and normally I might be like, that's pretty dumb. That's not going to work. I can think back to these films and go, what I expect from Justin Lin is that I am going to have enough narrative depth with these characters I love so much, with Mia returning, with Han probably coming back, that I'm going to be okay again, like we just said, suspending and just letting myself have fun with those few moments. So that's all you see in a trailer. You're going to think, oh God, they're just upping the ante and it's going to be just like Fast 8 where it's like submarines under, you know, this and that. And it's just action, 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 action. Because that's really what F8 kind of, did. And I don't think it's going to be like that. I just, I can't see that. I don't see why Justin Lin would come back and then suddenly not return to the way that he did all of his movies. You know what I mean? So I, I'm excited. Um, and what rewatching him this time around guys has gotten me more excited for nine and 10 because I was sort of, I wouldn't say not, you know, I wasn't worried about them or I wasn't down on them, but they just weren't in my brain as much because I was like, oh, we're getting to nine and 10. Like it's been a long time and I didn't love Hobbs and Shaw as much. And so, but these are getting me rehyped to return to like that style of the franchise.
0: Well, it's about that time
1: where we get into our connecting points, the moment, the line, the scene, whatever it is that connects us with this film the most. And Kobe, why don't we start with you? Did you have a connecting point for this entry?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, with all of our talk about family and home and just how that is the major plot of this film and coming off of the success that they had and pulling off this heist in Fast Five, it's like, what's next? And you would think like for a lot of folks, like they understand, like, you know, the consequences of doing something like that. We forget that they are fugitives and they're on the run and it's hard to find happiness in that. So it was a great connecting point that the fact that they were trying to find home and they thought that, you know, for some, like with Giselle and Han, that life on the run was not happiness. They wanted to end up finding home and they wanted to be able to find it with themselves. And ultimately, you know, it could have meant home for them, you know, in Tokyo, um, Tej had to find what his idea of home was. Um, and it was like his idea of home was being able to give back, right? Roman had to find his idea of home and thought, like, maybe he could find that into womanizing. And that really wasn't it. Really, it's the team. It's that family. And it's it's crazy how, like, that art imitates life and how that's kind of bled, you know, inside of Tyree Gibson's life in regards, like, how he wants to be tied to this franchise. But seeing the way that Brian and Dom were able to communicate over beers in Spain after the birth of Brian's baby. And Brian's like, man, I've got me a – I've got my son – But I still miss it. And without saying it, they're talking about missing home and the fact that it's crystallized at the end of the film in 1327. Like ultimately, just like how you described it, like that character, that house is what Dom wants. And it's not just that place, it's who's in it. And there's this woman who now, this essentially ghost who he now believes is alive. There's an opportunity to be able to get it. And regardless of what the cost is, and we talked about it before, It's not something selfish. It's just what needs to be made right, and we need to get her back. And he gets the approval of his best friend and Brian to go get Letty, and everybody's on board. There's there's no waffling or anything like that. That's a directive. That's the external goal, and that's also his internal goal. I I found just that idea of home, and the fact that Dom is such an interesting action movie character. Like in one way, he is very much like convention of the stereotypes in action movies they're completely different he is not a womanizer and it's so I, I, refreshing I mean, I expect... it really is it really <laughs> it's is. very I mean, refreshing as i'm watching a lot of these bond films it's just like it is like completely like toxic and disgusting like what this bond character is so it's very refreshing to get a character like dom who's so physically imposing but so sensitive and just so caring about one woman and how delicate that he was able to treat the relationship that he had with Elena. It wasn't like, you know, Hey, I'm just using you. I'm never going to think about you again. They even shared a kiss at the very end of the movie. And they were so resolute. Like it was completely like appropriate. And just like, it made sense. I, I did not expect that from this type of film. Dom is a, a really amazing action movie character. Like if they're honestly, if there is a Mount Rushmore of action movie characters. Like, I, I, I put Dom on that far right. I think we're going to have to like talk about that at some point.
2: <laughs> I'm just <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm immediately starting to go through I this in my head. So The Rock and we got Ethan and Hunt and we got who else we got. Yeah. No, <laughs> that would be a fun conversation. We should do that for like it's, bonus it's, content. It's, yeah.
3: You. I mean, John McClane is an absolute certain.
2: Oh gosh.
3: Like that, that's, yeah. that, that's an absolute certain.
1: I think you're
2: real quick going to get an absolute certainty of more than four people though. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think, I think it's going to happen. It's going to
3: be like expanded, okay? It's not going to be like 40. <laughs> well, definitely Dom deserves to be in the conversation because sure. he's just a fascinating action movie character. And this, his sense of home and what that means, home and family, is beautiful. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, mine actually kind of is really tied to that same sentiment that you're hitting on. And that—and mine is Dom and Letty. And I guess I can condense it down to the scene Of the street race I love this scene for more than just the Dom and Letty reasons like Han coming up to Don Dom in the garage and saying hey so you know I was asking around and found a race tonight one of the things I really appreciate about the franchise under Justin Lin and this is something we lost is in every film we get to see what the street race culture is in that country and I think that's awesome and I really hope that comes back because even when it's brief it's interesting and exciting oh i guess it i guess we do get to see it because in is it seven when dom races the car that is on fire backwards yeah i think it
0: is that's fate
2: that's fate okay so it does it does sort of continue to, to happen but it's one of the things i really appreciate or enjoy is seeing that so i loved getting the chance to go there and of course it's plot appropriate because we're trying to find letty where is letty gonna be Letty's in the straight race scene, not because Letty remembers that that's what Letty was into, but because that's who Letty is, again, subconsciously in her core and everything about their interactions and their acting together, the way he rolls up next to her and she's just like, boy, you got some balls (laughs) and he's like, you going to do this. And then he says, ride or die, remember? And then, you know, they race. It's an awesome race. Of course he wins, and the the way that she, again, cements that personality trait in her character, she's like, come on, let's go, follow me. Like, she's going to, these are enemies. In in the world that we are experiencing, these two people should be trying to kill each other. She's already shot him, right? But instead, she has enough respect. She understands and earned that respect from him as a new person to bring him safely with her she she trusts that and so they go do this right after he's and and by the way just the way he drives in that scene is pretty sick the whole like taking out the cop cars for her so she doesn't get caught and then driving backwards and she just like is like looking at him like who what are you doing but anyway (laughs) so smooth (laughs) yeah it's a beautiful scene when they get to this waterfront and she's talking about who she is and and he's like, I know who you are. And he starts describing these scars and he's like, you know, this is the one that, you know, you got when you were 15 when this crazy kid who was trying to impress you crashed his car and almost killed you. And eventually he like tells her, he's like, you know, that kid was me. And so we are in this moment learning about the history of Dom and Letty and how they met. And I'm like, oh my God, like oh, we didn't know this. This is new information and he keeps going on and he tells her about the one on her collarbone area and then he he cuts down to the one on her hip right and this is an informative scene but it's also it speaks to that tenderness that you were talking about colby and that respectfulness of women this is michelle rodriguez who is an incredibly attractive woman she is thin she is in shape she pulls down her jeans you know giving you that what would in any other movie Be so sexualized to show you that hip. Not this movie. It is so tender and sweet the way he just barely touches it as if, as if he doesn't want to offend and he wants to treat her like she is just like to her, she is to him. She is truly like this breakable perfect thing that he doesn't want to harm. And he explains to her about how she got that and tells this story that the last night they were in the Dominican Republic before she went off to go undercover to try and clear his name and it all ties back and the narrative doesn't try to tell you this like i love it because it trusts fans to follow these characters and feel this through multiple entries instead of stopping everything to be like So if you realize right now, what he's doing is he's explaining what happened the night before. Letty decided to go work with Brian to try and clear his name. But we know that (laughs) and we are feeling it in the moment, right? And and they have these scars that match because of the reef. He's got one because he was coming after her and didn't care. And, And that line he tells her, he says, like it or not, you're still the same girl. I saw it out there in the race and I see it right now. And he gives her the cross. Which has become so meaningful, Patrick, like as we talked about in the last episode specifically. And it is just, gosh, it is just so beautiful and so sweet. And at the same time, still kind of terrifying because you realize like she's not there yet. Like she hasn't got it. And especially when you're watching it for the first time, you don't know if she's going to necessarily come back to them and, mm-hmm. and realize it. But um, yeah, their relationship and the way that he treats her is all. In that moment, I think it is perfectly kind of captured in a nutshell.
3: Yeah. A poorer film would have completely ruined that. Like the moment she gets the cross, she magically remembers and it all floods back and then we see the
2: flashbacks. Oh, we would have seen the montage. Yes. Or they would have just made out, Mm -hmm. you know, on the car or something like some sort of like – not even necessarily sex, but like they would have gone to some sort of romantic – Interaction, and that, and that's to what you were saying about your connecting point, Colby, and everything at the end of the house. When, when he and Elena say goodbye to each other, and Elena says, "Like I'm going to do this thing with Hobbs because this is who I am." Dom and Letty are not together. Like they're not like back together. Things are not back to normal yet. They are just two people who she understands that this is her family, but we do not see them. In a romantic sense, Dom is giving up something that he has developed into a romantic partnership for the unknown or for the whatever it's going to be, it's going to be, and it's what it has to be because I love her. And I find that so admirable.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to tack onto that, it's a fantastic connecting point, is that from a writing standpoint, we almost get a fresh slate with Letty. So Michelle Rodriguez has gotten older. I mean, this franchise. All of them have gotten older, but I know that in the past, when I see Michelle Rodriguez on screen, whether it's playing a character in Lost, or in this movie, you know, the early entries, or in other action-based movies, very much like a hard-nosed, very attractive, but she knows what she wants, and it's very appealing. It's not like she's one-dimensional by any means, but Michelle Rodriguez has grown up. She's gotten more mature, and. I think this gives her, as an actress, an opportunity to expand her character, maintaining that core of who she is as Letty, but also, maybe she's not as snarky. Maybe she's a little bit more cautious, but still dangerous. Because, again, that last line, does this feel familiar? No, but it feels like home. Like, I don't know that I would hear that from a younger Letty, who would say, why don't you go upstairs and give me a massage? You know, I, I don't see a, <laughs> I don't see an older yeah. Letty saying that. You know, I feel like this is a more mature person. Dom has grown up, and I think that this reentry into potentially what their relationship can become, whatever it is, feels new and refreshing. And I think that's a powerful thing for this overall storyline: how to refresh something, not just bring people back from the dead. But by really amplifying this character set that we've enjoyed seeing, but now we get to see them in a more expanded role with, you know, with what's going to, whatever happens next. Also, side note unrelated, but I want to see a Tej and Roman buddy cop movie at some point. Just saying. The
3: spinoffs can just keep coming. I (laughs) I have enough grace built up with Tej and Roman. I think that they can have, you know, an an own, you know, three movie, you know, spinoff franchise if they really, really wanted to. Um, I, am surprised we haven't got a prequel yet, like, like early, you know, like, you know, teenage, like, you know, of Dom and Letty and like, just, just kind of exploring that world. Like, I'm, I'm very shocked. I mean,
2: this, I don't need that. I don't need that (laughs) de-aged, I don't need that de-aged nonsense in my Fast and Furious (laughs) franchise. I, no way, but we are supposed to get a female entry and I, I do want that, um, very much. So I'm hoping we still get it. Patrick, did you have a connecting point that was different than ours?
1: I did, actually, and it kind of reinforces why you guys love Owen Shaw so much. It's the conversation just after Letty drives away after the race, and we see Shaw and Dom confronting each other on, I guess it's the waterfront. I guess it's in the front of the Thames, maybe? I'm not sure. Cause this is London,
3: baby. You know I love this that. This is line. London. Like a... well, what's the what's the the music artist that, that comes in to do
2: the race? Oh, oh gosh. Uh, gorgeous. Wait, man. is she an artist? She's definitely gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I don't know, but is. I, yeah, yeah, I just love it. Artist. She's like ready, uh-huh. steady. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this <laughs> yeah, is London, artist. baby.
3: Oh, it was just yeah. It's really, really good. It's so funny how the film tran like it transformed into a music video. Like it completely uses different cameras and everything. Yeah. I I, I thought about that, and
1: I think at some point I actually thought, "Wow, this is one of the best music videos I've seen <laughs> the last two and a half minutes." You know, with all the girls dancing, the cars showing up. I'm like, "Yeah, here we go." What song is this that they're introducing? I don't know, but Rita <laughs> Ora. Yeah, Rita is her Ora. Name. That's
3: it, Rita Ora.
1: She's got some amazing hair. That's awesome. oh
3: yeah, yeah.
1: That was not my connecting point. It was a great moment, but not my connecting point. <laughs> the conversation with with Sean and Dom at the waterfront, and Shaw... Looks at him and he starts kind of giving him props, saying, Hey, you know, you're coming from a place where you're stealing DVD players, harkening back to the first Fast and the Furious, and now you're up to stealing millions in Rio. And he goes, Yeah, I've come a long way. And he says, He starts talking about a code. And he says, One thing I learned from my brother is that every man has a code. He says, You know what mine is? Mine is precision, he says. I have a team that I need to be interchangeable. I need to be able to swap pieces and parts out, essentially like a car, so that I can get the most bang for my buck. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously, and without an English accent, so <laughs> you guys can all be, a, you know, it's okay. But then he looks at Dom, and Dom's smiling this whole time because it's almost like they're playing. It's like this chess game that they're playing, and he says. You, you're loyal to a fault. Your code is family. And that's what makes you vulnerable. Family makes you weak, predictable. And that means I can reach out and break you whenever I want. And Dom says, at least when I go, I know, I'll know what it's for. And then Shaw kind of reinforces that. He says, at least you have a code. Most men don't. So there's this like moment of respect. He's like, okay. You have your way, I have mine. You're wrong, I'm right, but we can agree to disagree there. And he says, he offers him a chance to walk away. And Tom says, without even hesitating, I walk away when she does. And then Shaw says, okay then. And then the laser shows mm-hmm. up on Dom's chest and then like, um, like what, 15 seconds later, a laser shows up on Owen's chest. I mean, it's... It's a brilliant moment because it's like they're sizing each other up, but at the same time, it encapsulates what I think one of the main themes of the movie is playing out, which is what does it mean? To, what's the difference between a team and a family? You know, a team is someone that is a, is a group of people that if this person's weak, just kick them out, bring somebody else in to get the job done. No, a family is that which you don't leave behind. Where, as you said earlier, Kobe, we don't leave family even if they don't want to be fa- I, God, I'm butchering the quote. What was it? Um, it was. Oh yeah. So you don't turn your back on family, family even if they did on you. Exactly. That mentality is what lives in the hearts of Dom and Brian and the rest of the crew. It's why they were so immediate to answer the call and say, yep, turn the plane around, give the girls their vouchers to the buffet at the casino. And I think that when we see these two men show what's important to them, it almost gives us a choice. Now, obviously, most of us are going to side with Dom and his family because we're along with them. But I think the movie allows us for a minute to kind of see why Shaw is the way he is. He said, look, this is what I value. This is what's important to me. And just like Elena says, this is what's this is who I am and walks away while she's okay walking away from that relationship and why Dom's okay with ending that relationship. You can't really fault Owen Shaw for being the way he is because he says, this is my code. I can't break that code. This is who I am. And at that moment, that's when we kind of get the the big main plot kicking off where um, we find the chip and all this crazy stuff and <laughs> McGuffins. But, (laughs) but, but I think that for the most part, this scene solidifies what Justin Lin is really trying to play with throughout the rest of the film, which is where are your loyalties? Are your loyalties to efficiency and precision and money and glamour, or are they to the people that you're working with, as opposed to the object of what those people are trying to get? And, uh, I thought, I thought it was pretty fantastic writing. And as you guys mentioned just a few moments before, That same tenderness that we see with Dom and Letty from a writing standpoint, I think it's just as tender here in terms of being able to kind of move back and forth between these two characters. So it goes from like a tender moment to like a hard moment, but I think the writing is still really mature
2: in both of those instances. The way in which it ends is awesome because it's part of the Hobbs and Dom progression as well in their relationship because... When Shaw says, let me guess, Hobbs, and Dom's response is throwing back at him the same language that he used earlier. He just says, two-bit government hack, Mm -hmm. right? And the beauty of this moment to me is when Hobbs shows up and he's like, good thing I was here, right? And Dom and Hobbs have this moment of acknowledgement where Dom pulls out the tracker with a grin on his face. And it's very clear Hobbs has been following him to take care and make sure that things don't happen. And Dom was relying on that. So it shows Dom's brain it shows his intelligence like in addition he, to his beefiness right he's and the so fact cerebral like he, he is it's nuts and the trust right yeah so it's the intelligence to know that Hobbes is going to be tracking him while he's off on the street race with Letty but also the trust to know that if it comes down to something I bet you Hobbes is going to be there and I bet you Hobbs is going to take care of me and that's the reason Dom could stand there with that laser shot on his chest and not be scared at all because he just knew Hobbs would be there. And I, I just – I love that. I love that little aspect as we are walking through this progression of Hobbs and Dom's relationship and seeing those little pieces that it grows. And that's one of them. I swear I'm
3: so curious. Like if they do a prequel series or like either a TV series or a movie, what is Dom – because Dom's dad is just like impressed upon this man so much. And, like, I'm just so curious, like, like this guy who just ran a garage, <laughs> you know, just Toretto, that's the name of the movie, Toretto, right? Like, I'm just so curious, like, you know, who, like, what he's like. I mean, the fact that in Fast 9, that's what it's called, or whatever, <laughs> FF9, whatever, that we're going to get baby Toretto, the baby brother that just magically popped up. I'm not going to lie. That has me so scared. <laughs> because this entire time we spent with this family this is clearly the black sheep that nobody wants to talk about
1: yeah inventing
3: relatives is not good in a lot of ways it's uh yeah i mean but it's weird like they've they've handled the injection of new family members and their entrances and exits pretty well so far
1: yeah but colby i mean there's a (laughs) <laughs> There's a difference between injecting family members that aren't blood related, yeah, like that. True. Yeah. Now, I would probably, again, thinking just very much like I know nothing about this latest entry. Maybe, well, he's a brother, but I, I kind of wish it was like a childhood best friend, you know, someone that yeah. it makes sense for them to be gone because at no point throughout this entire franchise has dumb. Ever mentioned having a brother. You know, Owen, we get his brother being talked about in this entry. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense when we, you know, spoilers see him later. But anyway, that's a year away. So we'll just sit on it until then. (laughs) Until then, we will continue to do feel and film episodes about the Furious franchise as they come and enjoy them as much as we can. Real quick, what is the official name of this movie?
3: Fast and Furious 6
2: is the So it's official.
3: funny, because in the See, beginning Patrick, of the movie, it says just
2: Furious 6. Patrick asked me that. I'm pretty sure it's Fast and Furious 6 everywhere I've looked it up.
3: Yeah, like, when you look it up, it's Fast and Furious 6, but, like, the actual, like, the beginning of the movie, the opening credit, it's just Furious 6. And I and find I mean, that so interesting.
2: I think that that makes more sense, because it was Fast 5, right. so you would go Furious 6. But isn't 7, Furious 7? Yes, it's Furious 7. So oh gosh, maybe they 7. maybe they retroactively made this Fast and Furious Six Quite and then, I, I don't know. It's one of those things that I just I allow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just just keep making it up, I like, Whatever you think. Mean, whatever. Well that'll wrap up this episode of Feeling Film, because that's what we're called. No matter the episode. <laughs> we'll be stepping away from the Furious Universe this week to cover the upcoming Apple exclusive Greyhound starring Tom Hanks. That episode will drop on Friday along with the release of the film. So if you don't have Apple TV, get it. Enjoy our conversation and enjoy the $5 movie.
2: for one month. $5. It's, like, it's less than the cost of a normal rental. Just yeah. subscribe for a month. I'm going to tell you, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you can catch our written review of that on the website before the podcast, really the spoiler-free good. version.
1: Colby, where can people find you on social media or around the interwebs if they want to
3: engage in conversation with you? Hey, definitely do engage in conversation with me, but first and foremost, let me just say thank you for having me rock the mic with you guys. I love it. Can't wait to do it again. You can follow your boy. I'm available on all the socials at Kobe told me on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook at Kobe Mac. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website, Kobe told and listen to my podcast, the Kobe told me podcast available on all major platforms. When you ask where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me.
1: Gentlemen, thanks for a great conversation and we will talk soon.
2: Hey everyone. Thanks again for listening. very active in both places and would love to chat
0: and if you want to connect with me you can find me at shoeless patch on both facebook and twitter be sure to tag me in any comments so that i'll be notified and not miss you
2: once again thank you for listening we'll be back soon until then stay positive
0: and keep feeling filmed